I'm Myron Weber, and this is Mental Supermodels, the podcast where we explore the theory and practice, the art and science of mental modeling for problem solving and decision making. Now, if you're a regular listener, I know what you're thinking right now. Where's Jeremy? (laughs) Jeremy Thomas uh, is not with me today. I'm doing a, a short solo episode. Let me explain why. We just finished 14 episodes of the podcast walking through the strategy to execution model. And if you haven't heard those episodes, I encourage you to go back and check it out. But we're taking a little hiatus while we prepare for our next series, which uh, I'm not going to tip my hand yet on what that's going to be, but it's going to be awesome. So we will be uh, recording episode number 15 in a couple weeks, kicking that off. But in the meantime, I thought rather than have nothing, I would record a brief solo episode and it was uh it was kind of inspired by something that that happened recently let me set it up this way so i think about our audience in a number of different roles right we have individuals who just kind of think like me and jeremy are interested in in mental modeling uh conceptually find it interesting and and want to apply those techniques other people are much more practical maybe they're a leader or a manager and they're trying to figure out how to get things done within their teams or they're an entrepreneur trying to uh, run a business, improve a business, or get something started. But also, I think one of the important roles is sort of more junior folks or folks who are moving up in their career and trying to figure out how to impress the boss and uh, and be effective in their job, because ultimately that's how you impress the boss, right? And one of those roles is the role of the analyst that I frequently think about. Um, and One reason that Jeremy and I are able to speak to all these different perspectives is because in our long and varied careers, we've been in a lot of these roles. And so we can put ourselves in the in the shoes of those folks. And I've actually been in the role of analyst in a few times in in my career. And actually, that came up recently. So I'm typically not an analyst. I'm uh, working with analysts, perhaps helping them do their jobs better, providing them data or models to work within. But sometimes I'm asked to be the analyst. And that actually happened recently. I was asked to, to provide analysis for a particular problem that was being solved. And um, well, I, I'm not going to lie. I'll just keep it real. It went really well. And in fact, the, uh, the leader of the team said, uh, well, we're so glad we had Myron here to help us. Now, I hate to sound self-serving. That's not the point here. Um, But I'll come back and and talk about lessons learned from that. You know, in this case, it went well. And so I'm going to talk about that. Other times, we will talk honestly about things that didn't go well and what lessons we can learn from that. But it reminded me of something. Back in 2011, I actually had been invited to write a guest blog post uh, by a website that was doing a series on the role of the analyst in business. And uh, I, I wrote the article, uh, the blog post, and the title of it was Analyst, Stop Being Evil. Uh, and, of course, that's a little bit of a provocative title. Uh, let me explain why I chose that title and that theme for the article. And this goes back even further to another Another uh, experience that I had, which I was asked to consider taking a role working for a law firm and developing new technology to support the activities of attorneys and and the things that they would be doing. And it sounded really interesting, kind of cool, high-tech, cutting-edge stuff. But I quickly realized that 
while there were a couple people in this big law firm who were passionate about this and thought it was a great idea, the reality is for most of the attorneys, and particularly the senior ones who ran the firm, they didn't care about it. Technology to them was not seen as exciting and strategic. It was a necessary evil. Yeah, we have to spend all this money on IT stuff over here, but what's really important in the law firm is the lawyers. And they've got a point there. I'm not, I'm not saying they're wrong. But I learned something really important from that lesson, which is this concept of being aware of when something is viewed as a valuable asset versus when it's viewed as a necessary evil. And if you think about this, right, in some firms, certain things are really viewed as an asset. Is quality assurance within a company viewed as something essential for excellence in the product, or is it just something you have to do? Is it something you have to do to pass compliance? You know, health and safety, it, these things, or customer service, right? Think about it. Some some firms have built their reputation and their brand around excellent customer service, and other companies obviously don't care at all about customer service. And as a customer, it's not hard to pick up on that. So. As I think about the role of the analyst, that can also be true, right? In some companies, in some teams, the role of the analyst is incredibly valuable and is viewed as uh, an asset. And in other companies, unfortunately, I, I've seen these people, right? They're the analyst and their job is to uh, work late nights, call their family and say, sorry, I'm not gonna make it home. And then they sit there and they just crunch numbers. Uh, on demand. I need this. I need that. You know, give me this report. Give me that report. Can you do this a different way? And they just, they just get ground down by constantly being treated like a necessary evil rather than a valuable asset. And so the article that I wrote back in 2011, that's where the title came from. Analysts stop being evil. Not because I think the analyst is really evil, but they're allowing themselves to be treated as a necessary evil rather than a valuable asset. And by the way, I I would happily promote the website that I wrote that blog article for, except the, the article is no longer on their blog. I mean, it was 10 years ago and they've redone their site and it's no longer there. So I'm going to repost that article at mentalsupermodels.com. So the uh, this episode will be mentalsupermodels.com slash analyst. Okay. That'll be the, uh, the short URL. This is not a numbered episode, so it, uh, it's not going to get a number, but go there and then I'll have the link to the article. So what I addressed in that article and what I just want to briefly cover here and, and then round out this short episode. Um, first of all, in this instance that happened recently, they got me thinking about all this. What did I do that made the team perceive me as valuable? What did I, how did I handle that situation that made it a success? Well, I think more than anything is I didn't actually do what they asked me to do. Okay. They came to me with a spreadsheet that they wanted numbers filled in on. And they've got all these numbers over here on this other spreadsheet. And they're like, how do we get these numbers from there with all the calculations and, and allocations? I'm skipping over all the details, but how do we get them from there to here? And I didn't just do what they asked me to do. What I did is I figured out what decision they were trying to make. And then I completely restructured the way that they were collecting the data 
so that the analysis, uh, so that I could create the analysis they needed, in my opinion, to answer the questions that they needed to answer and then drive the decision that they were trying to make. Now, by not doing what they asked me and instead doing what I believed they really wanted, I was taking a little risk. I could have been wrong and they could have said, why aren't you doing it the way we want? But but it worked. And so I think this is a, a lesson that analysts can uh, can learn from. And in fact, I'll just quickly highlight the the key things from my 2011 article that I recommended to analysts. So one is to aspire to greater things. Don't just be a number cruncher. Don't just uh, give people what uh, you know what they ask for if you think that there's something better you can provide. And I believe that the role of the analyst is really important and that you could think of yourself as a key person for driving better decision-making within the organization. And that's something that an analyst should aspire to. And that's also something that organizations should recognize and ask their analysts to do. Second, I think that, frankly, analysts, you can take some ownership for this yourself and improve your skills, okay? If you are an analyst, but the only tool you know how to use is Excel, then that's part of the problem. And there are lots of things you could do to train up and get better at what you're doing. And if you want to know what some of those are, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Contact me on LinkedIn. The uh, contact info for that is at mentalsupermodels.com. And then the third thing is um, be selective. If there's an organization that doesn't value what you are, uh, are doing, then Maybe you want to look for a different job where you're going to be valued. If if your role really is analyst and that's what you're good at and that's what you can add value by doing, and they don't value that, then uh, maybe you want to maybe you want to move on. So that is um, yeah, that's basically what I wanted to talk about. Nice short solo episode, and there may or may not be another solo episode before we kick off. Uh, the next series, but this is fun for me, and I hope that it helps you make better decisions.